Well, Dave, we're back after a little bit of a hiatus here on the podcast. It's been a couple weeks since we dropped an episode. I think it was our summer movies preview, which was, I checked the date on that. Uh, that was the right screen. Let's see, what day was that? I mean, if Anchor ever wants to, Anchor, great service. Uh, wish it loaded in time. May 19th was our last podcast, Dave. It feels like it's been so much longer. I know, it, it feels like it's been forever. Um, obviously, we've been we've been around with trivia and stuff, but it feels like it's been a while since we talked sports, especially. Exactly, and I saw you in person between the last um, the last podcast and now. You came down for live trivia. We had a rip rousing time. It was incredible, uh, and that's a good. Well, I mean, no one's listening to this live. We're not live streaming this, but we do trivia twice a week, Wednesday and Thursday. So tune in. It's at eight thirty both days. Uh, a little uh, shameless self-promotion. But, Dave, uh, today's not a happy occasion. We were supposed to do a, uh, a post-mortem on the Celtics. That was, uh, if you're listening to this, we're recording this on a Thursday. We were supposed to do our post-mortem on Wednesday. Dave had to push it off because he started this cool new job, which I'm sure everybody's heard about. Because Dave is a beast of sports stats now. He should win every trivia from now on. Uh, <laughs> I'm, setting, I'm setting an impossible standard for you. But, anyway... Uh, we had to delay it till today, and really a blessing in disguise, as I was saying to Dave off the air, because now we get to talk about the Celtics and the Bruins, because both of their seasons are over, hence the title of this podcast, Requiem for the Garden Teams. So Dave, I'll let you decide. What team would you like to dissect first? Um, let's do, let's do the South, or let's do the Bruins, let's rip the band-aid off. Yeah, I was gonna say, let's start with the Bruins, because I feel like the future looks brighter for the Celtics, than, oddly enough, than the Bruins. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, so let's start, yeah, with the Bruins. Um, really no other way to put it, an embarrassing way to lose a series, really. I mean, they looked like the better team in the first three games. I mean, they looked the better team in really every game they play, except for game six. Um... They really should have won the series. If they were healthy in five, if they weren't, I still think even if they weren't healthy, I think six games, they should have won this series. Uh, but like you said off the air, um, when Brandon Carlo got her, kind of the whole tempo of the series changed. And I hate to be that guy, but it also was not policed very well the entire series. So I guess what are your thoughts here on uh, on how the Bruins season came to a uh, bit of a thud? Because it certainly was a thud. They did not show up. Yeah, no, they didn't. Um, and like you said, I mean, Carlo, that loss kind of really just set off a domino reaction. Uh, and it just felt like they just never really were the were the faster, were the stronger team. The Islanders won every puck. Uh, they got all the great chances in front of the net. They were, you know, basically just dominating the defenseman down low. And I think it was Matt Doloff from 98.5 on Twitter. Um, the Bruins defensemen without Carlo and McAvoy, they're just too small. Yeah. Like, I know, I know they were kind of trying to trend towards, like, the puck-moving, really athletic defensemen, and, like, fast skaters like Krug, and they had Clifton, and they have Grizzlick, and they have Mike Riley, uh, and, you know, John Moore is kind of in between there. Uh, Kevin Miller is kind of towards the, the uh, Charlie McAvoy side as far as size, but they just need to get bigger. Like, when they made the cup finals, they had Seiderberg, they had Chara, they had Ference. Like, they had a lot of really big guys, Johnny Boychuk. And now it's like you look at it and they have like a bunch of Tory Krugs and and Krug is kind of like to me, I don't think he's like the, the you can have like seven or eight of them. I think he's like a unique player. I don't think 
there's a lot of five nine defensemen out there. So I think if you really want to win, I think you have to be able to dominate in front of your net. And that that defense corps is just I mean, Grizzlick last night played absolutely horrible. Yeah, they did not look like they I mean, I know that they weren't, you know, phoning it in, but they didn't really they had really any interest in winning that game. And I watched every game of the series. I mean, it was really disappointing because they beat Washington pretty convincingly. And I guess that says a lot about Washington. Um, But I think they still should have beaten this team with the injuries they suffered because they had so many chances. And we all know that a hot goalie in the playoffs sometimes will make the difference. So Verlamov was very good. And, you know, Kyle Palmieri is a, a Bruins killer, so to speak. So... Everything just didn't go the Bruins' way. I, I, it's it's very you can't put it on one shot. You can't put it on one play. They just got, even though they played better than the Islanders, more just went the Islanders' way. And I think what you said was perfect. I mean, yes, Tukarask allowed a lot of goals. Yes, he got pulled in Game Five. I understand that, but he was left out to dry by his teammates. This wasn't like they had the 2011 defense you mentioned. Tukarask was giving up four or five goals a game. This is, guys, you know, they had their top two defensemen or top two of their three best defensemen gone. And I don't know what else you expected. And then McAvoy gets hurt last night on a cheap shot by Palmieri. It's, I don't know what else, you know, you expected them to do. And they made a lot of mistakes, too. I mean, they cost themselves, what was it, game two with that overtime turnover by Lazan. So they made a lot of mistakes. And... You don't really beat teams in the playoffs past the first round when you make a lot of mistakes, and the Islanders took advantage of them, and they moved on. I really don't want to pick a team to win the next series because I can't stand either of them. But that being said, one of them beat the Bruins this year, and one of them didn't. So uh, the Lightning will be my pick to win that series, and I think they're going to win it pretty convincingly, honestly. Yeah, I mean, honestly, to me, you would have liked to have seen the Bruins beat the Islanders. Obviously, we're all Bruins fans. Uh, for the most part, if you're listening to this, you probably are too. But um, I'm not sure. Like, even if they they play well, Carlo doesn't get hurt. They win game two and they win in six or seven games. I'm not sure they beat the Lightning even then. Like, the Lightning are really, really good this year. And I just, for whatever reason, they struggle with them a little bit with their speed and with their, their skill level. Uh, it's just disappointing overall because... And it seems like it kind of set in the locker room with some of the questions and some of the answers. Like, this isn't 2011 anymore. This core is older. Like, this is – they're coming to an end with this core. Like, Krejci's a free agent. Bergeron's older. He only has one or two years left. Bergeron's <coughs> getting into his 30s. You know, Tuca's a free agent. He's getting old. He might retire. There's just – there's a lot of uncertainty now. And I know a lot of people were talking about this. Um you know, Don Sweeney deserves a lot of praise for getting Taylor Hall. And, you know, Lazaro has been really good. Mike Riley was good. Like, that was a really, really good trade deadline. But the reason it needed to be a really good trade deadline is because he's been really bad in his tenure as a Bruins GM. Really bad. And I think it comes down to even before he took over, when he was kind of heading up the scouting and in the drafting, like, they haven't really drafted well for, like, the last, like, five to eight years, and you include in some of the trades they made, getting rid of draft picks to get guys at the deadline, that's fine. We all do, like, we all support that. But there's a reason why they're just diminished with what they have in the farm system, which is, like, nothing, and what they have on this team right now. And, I mean, at one point, you had a really, really young core, and you were unable to supplement them with anything aside from Smith and getting Taylor Hall, 
Like literally, they haven't really done anything. I mean, Charlie Coyle was like an okay move. He's he's been pretty good. They locked him up, but they just they have a lot of issues right now, and it's it's going to be interesting to see where they go. Yeah, it's they have a lot of upcoming free agents, and they're not going to be able to keep all of them. They need to get more help on defense. They need more depth on defense. Chuka's not getting any younger. Um, I mean, all the people calling for his head and wanting Swayman. I mean, they're they're going to get their wish at some point, and you might not you might regret it because yeah, Chuka, <coughs> excuse me, allowed some bad goals. But at the end of the day, it, it really was on the defense here. And really, let's not let the offense off the hook either. You have what they call, which, I mean, it's stupid they keep calling it the perfection line, but you have one of the best lines in hockey, and they got to be, I mean, they're scoring a lot, but you needed more out of your the rest of your team. You needed more out of those second, third, fourth lines, and they just did not have the firepower to respond. And that's really where the Islanders hurt them. Those last couple of lines, they were just significantly better, and they were the more physical team. That is really what hurts the most, honestly, is that the Bruins just got out-physicaled, I guess is the term for it. Really not even a word, but... They just got beaten down. That's really the, the best way to put it. And you, I think you're right. If I had to put the blame on Sweeney or Cassidy, I think people were going off on Cassidy, and I'm like, I don't think this is his fault. I mean, I think it's Sweeney's fault because at, at the end of the day, I think Cassidy's a good coach. He won, Didn't he win Coach of the Year? Was it last year? Uh, I think it was two years or was ago. Or the year they lost to the Blues, yeah. So he was Coach of the Year two years ago. I mean, the guy's really good at what he does, I think. Um I think it's more of a Sweeney issue. I think that he, he's just not bringing in the right guys, and he might have staved off his ultimate firing for another year by getting Taylor Hall, especially if they re-sign him. But it, it's not a good-looking uh, offseason coming up for them. I mean, I didn't listen to sports radio today. I'm sure everybody was losing their minds. But, um, look, I'm not the biggest Tuka Rass defender you'll ever find. I like the guy. I'm not, like, his biggest fan. But even I could see that this wasn't on him. Like, he had bad goals he allowed. He had a bad night here, maybe here and there. But when you're allowing the other team to score four or five goals, I mean, you either got to score them yourselves, which you have the capability to do, or you, you play better defense. I mean, you saw some of the goals they scored last night, Dave. It was just pitiful how the defense played. The first goal that the Islanders scored, uh, who was the defenseman? It was McAvoy, actually, out in front that got beat on the rebound. He didn't even know where it was, and he was screening his own goalie while he was trying to find it. So... Like, like I said, you don't win and lose on one play. You can't be like, well, if Pasternak had that open net, maybe they would have won the series. It just wasn't in the cards. It just was not in the cards. They were not going to win this series. And it's very disappointing because it's another year where the Bruins, it wasn't like 2019 where they were literally on the doorstep, you know, one game away from winning the Cup and really should have won it before that. But it still stings because this year it kind of they had a sort of a team of destiny feel after the first round. And now that team of Destiny Mantle is like their most hated rival, who is probably going to get pummeled in the next round. But, I mean, I don't know. What are you going to hang your hat on? You got farther than the Maple Leafs? You didn't collapse like the Maple Leafs? Is that what the big win is here? I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what they bring back. Because I'm not, I'm not a huge like hockey head. Uh, we're going to get Jess Belmosto on here, I think, for the preview of the Stanley Cup Finals when those happen in, whatever, three months. Because uh, this goes along so slowly. Um, and she's going to educate us on hockey because Dave probably knows more than I do, but I know Jack about hockey. I'm really trying my, I'm really trying hard here. Um, I know it sounds like I know what I'm talking about, but I promise I, I, I truly don't. Um, but I would like to look, I definitely want to ask Jess cause she covers the flames, but she also is a Bruins fan. So I want to ask her, you know, what, 
possible free agents she might see uh, in the future of the Bruins here if they really do want to make a run at a defenseman or something. But they need help there. It's it's uh, undeniable. That's where they need a lot of help. Yeah, I mean it's there's a lot of a lot of things going on. I mean, I I don't really I think this this was the definition of a team loss to me. Like, you know, it's easy to call it like one guy, but realistically, the second line was was brutal this series. Like, Taylor Hall did nothing, she did nothing, and he's usually a playoff guy. Smith really didn't do much. The third line did absolutely nothing with Coyle. Coyle was brutal the whole series. DeBrusque was brutal. Uh, Corrali was awful. Um, Lazar had moments, but other than the top line and McAvoy and Carlo, everyone else was just really just all over the place. So really, your really your top your top line, your top pairing, and that's it. Like those are the only yeah, people. Not even pairing. I would just right, say McAvoy. Right, I wouldn't right. even say. Uh, um, and Carlo obviously only played three and a half games, so. And I would, yeah, I wouldn't you know, even include, it's, it's, I, yeah, no, go ahead, go ahead. It's, it's like, it's hard to really even single out one person. Like, Rask had really good games, and then he had okay games. Right. Uh, like, last night, he obviously gave away one goal with his poor puck management behind the net. Uh, but, I mean, he, I have a hard time blaming him for anything, because he, he clearly was hurt, obviously, after they said he wouldn't admit what his injury was. But uh, Cassie had mentioned that it's up to him if he wants to have surgery or not. Um, and... He, he could have just folded and called it like two games ago when when they gave him the out, like, oh, we don't know if he's going to play. Um, and he came out and still stuck with them. So I have a hard time blaming it for anything, honestly. Uh, but, yeah. like, this defense core is just they, – they took a shot with, you know, Don Sweeney didn't want to bring back Char for a million dollars. Sure looked like they could have used him yesterday. Uh, and, you know, they, they bet on their young defensemen and just said, you know, we're going to ride with them. We're going to ride with Kevin Miller and John Moore. John Moore got hurt. Kevin Miller got hurt. The young defenseman didn't do anything. And here we are now counting our off-season days till we start up again. And it's just it's just another wasted year. And uh, To me, there's, there's just been too many of those with Don Sweeney. So I, I don't know what the what the future holds. But I, I just yeah. think he's gotten off the hook too easily. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and I, I, I have a hard time blaming Tuca for the whole series. I think you're, you're right. It's a team loss. And really, nobody but those four guys that we mentioned played well, and you need a whole team to play well to win the Stanley Cup. This isn't basketball where one guy can carry you or two guys can carry you. Like, you you need, <coughs> excuse me, a whole a whole roster to come through and win and win the cup. Just look at the godforsaken Blues two years ago. It took everybody on that team to win. Um, but I'll ask you this, Dave, before we move on to. Uh, well, before we move on to the Celtics, uh, let's just touch on the rest of the NHL playoffs so far. So let's say Vegas plays tonight. They're up 3-2. They're at home. I would be shocked if they didn't win because they they won both their games on home ice already in the series. They have all the momentum, especially after that overtime win the other day. So do you want to assume Vegas wins tonight or do you want to play it as all five teams? Um... I think the Avalanche win tonight. Okay, so we'll, we'll pretend they're still in it. Okay, so out of the five teams left, uh, who is your pick to win the Stanley Cup? I I, I have a hard time picking against whoever wins the Vegas Avalanche yeah. series. So I feel I too. think they're just very clearly the two best teams in the NHL. And, uh, you know, the Canadians, Canadians are hot. The Lightning are really good. And then obviously with the Islanders. Um, it's, it's kind of interesting, though, because... You have two teams like the Islanders and the Canadians 
no one would say that they're the most talented and they certainly don't have the records to prove that they are, but um, it's just going to be really, really interesting with, with the group of teams that's left. Uh, but I have a hard time picking against either Vegas or Colorado. I agree. Um, I think the Lightning are obviously a good pick too because they're they're really, really talented. Uh, they got Kucherov back, obviously, for the playoffs. So, I mean, it's not exactly the sexy pick, but I would probably say, I'm going to say Vegas, I'll say Vegas wins the series. Um, so I'll say Vegas-Tampa Bay um, in the final, and I think Vegas wins. I agree. I mean, Montreal's been a great story, but by the time they play the first game of, that's, of the semifinals, they're going to have how many days off? Four? Five? Like, yes, they need rest, but at the same time, when you're a team that's hot like that, that's a big reason, I think, why they swept Winnipeg. They were coming off a big comeback. They got, like, a day off, and they went right into the next series, and they swept Winnipeg. Now... This also, I think it's, I think I saw Marissa and Jemmy on Twitter tweet it, but it was, it was a good tweet. Like it raises a lot of questions about how good the Oilers were because the Oilers got beaten by the Jets and then the Jets got pasted by the Canadians. So that raises a lot of, that's a team that even though they're young and like they have one of the best players in the league, I'd have a lot of questions about that team as well. Uh, because I might just, we might just, I might just have to print out a list of the teams and just go team by team with Jess and see like what she can tell me about each one. Because I'd love to know more about a lot of these teams. Um, but anyway, that's uh, so that, that's our uh, my pick is Vegas, Dave. What's your act? What's your official pick? You got to pick one. Uh, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Colorado. Okay. I think they're gonna win the next two games. Yeah, I I, do, I also think uh, the Hart Trophy finalists got announced today, and it's Matthews, uh, McDavid, and McKinnon. It's gonna be somebody with an M. It's a big year for us. Last names beginning with M. Huge year. You can basically pencil in McDavid and Matthew er, uh, McKinnon like every year at this point. Yeah, uh, Matthew's probably going forward too. I mean, he's he's a good player. I think even though playoffs don't matter, I still think McKinnon probably wins or McDavid. I feel like he had a really flashy good year too. Uh, but anyway, uh, that does it for our Bruins requiem. Dave, let's move to uh, the other. Well, I guess they kind of. I don't know if they use the same locker room or not, but the Celtics locker room. Uh, their season ended, God, what, like three weeks ago now? Yeah, a little while ago, yeah. I mean, well, okay, it, it officially ended last week, but it's been over for a while. Um, it was over when they drew the nuts in the playoffs. It, oh, it was over before that. Um, it was over when they got the play-in. Like, that was, it was it at that point. Um, yeah, so this is the opposite of the Bruins for me. I expected nothing from the Celtics. Uh, the fact they won that one game was a surprise to me. And the fact they were winning game one for most of the time was a surprise to me. Uh, that being said, they were just not nearly talented enough to beat the Nets. I mean, the Nets have three of the, what, 11, 10 best players in the league, 15. And then if you take Kyrie out of it, that's two of the best six or seven players in the league. So, I mean, you just didn't have the firepower to beat that team. E even healthy with Jalen Brown, maybe, maybe with Jalen Brown, if you're at full strength, you get to six, but you're not winning that series. And so, Dave, I guess just your initial reaction to the uh, the Celtics bowing out in the first round. Um, I mean, it was obviously expected. I thought they'd get swept, so they got a game. Good for them. Uh, Tatum kind of proved that he's one of the better players on the floor, even with those guys that you mentioned. Um, but... You know, I, I think you just saw the limitations of this team overall. Like, if Kemba can't be the guy that they signed him to be, 
they're in a lot of trouble with the current construction. Doesn't mean they can't be better next year, or the year after, or the year after that. But it's just with his money tied up into his knees and his defensive liability, there's just a lot of issues right now with this team. And I think the one, and I think Kevin O'Connor said this, this, this season really isn't a total loss as far as like, obviously we want to win a championship or you're with the Celtics. We're not the Timberwolves, but um, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown both got exponentially better. I mean, Jason Tatum is now a certified top 15 to 20 guy every year. And when he plays at his best, he's top 10, even maybe even top seven yeah. at this point. Uh, and Jalen Brown certified himself as an all-star and yep. a potential all-NBA guy for years to come. So you locked up two guys through 2023-24 that are both going to be all-NBA guys, and they're not, neither one is 25 yet. Yep. So, like, I don't buy the fact that this was a total wash and there's nothing good about this team. They have a lot of issues. They have a lot of things they need to sort out. But yep. to me, I, I think that as long as those guys keep getting better and uh, – from then on, you can kind of cut and paste around the edges and fix stuff. But all I can say is this: there's about 25 other teams that would rather be the Celtics with this roster. Yeah, um, it, it's it's disappointing. It is because you know you didn't expect them to win a championship or even win a series, really. Um, but you know it, it's it, it is still tough to absorb the the loss because you know you have high promise for these guys and you want to see them win more than they do uh sorry the red sox just walked in a run which is good well the red sox you know what i mean a run walked in for the red sox is what i meant to say um but you know i think you're right you know the brown and tatum they took huge steps they are all nba level caliber player well tatum already was but now brown's on that level too they do need one more solid piece i think to at least be a contender uh or at least a, like, get-to-the-next-round type contender. I don't think they're... I'll go as far as say that the Heat were bubble frauds. That's what I think. I don't think the Celtics are. I think the Heat were frauds last year. Um, <clears throat> just rode the wave into the finals. Uh, I don't see them getting that far again. But the Celtics, I think... I don't think they're frauds. I think they have two legitimately superstar... Well, I think Tatum's a superstar. Brown's a star-level player. Um... But you're right. I mean, they, they need something else. And here's here's a question to fill in the blank for you, Dave. Kemba Walker's contract is the worst in Boston sports history since blank. Carl Crawford? I was going to say Sandoval or Crawford. Sandoval's a good one. But I think Sandoval, I would say both of those are still worse than Kemba, too. They are. That's what I'm saying. The worst since, yeah, yeah. those guys. So we're talking... I would, say, I would say they're both worse, yeah. Yeah, we're talking the worst contract in six, seven years because that's when Sandoval got signed. It was like 2014. And but it's also like... You know, it's, it's also before you go... Yeah. Um, it's also like exponentially worse just because we have an actual hard salary cap in the NBA. Baseball right. is just open wallets. How about... Here's a, a deeper thought. The worst Celtics contract since who? That's a good question. Um, I mean, you go back in time. I'm trying to think. I mean, they haven't had a really bad contract for yeah, a while. They haven't. I mean, they avoided giving Horford one for what it's worth. Yeah, they avoided that. And that was the right move, even if people disagree. 
Um, Let's see if there's. I a... mean, you have to go back to like when they were weren't good. Because I mean, even when they had Garnett and Pierce, and they're trying to like piece together bench units, like. I mean, Courtney Lee wasn't a great one, but he was only five million. It wasn't like he was, fifteen million. Um, like Antoine Walker wasn't a great one when he got his second one with the Celtics. Um, you have, <laughs> you have your buddy Ray Lafrance, but that was so long ago, and they didn't sign this. They didn't sign him for that. They traded for him. So like, I, I honestly have a hard time thinking back far enough to think about. I mean, maybe Scal like. Three, for five years was kind of ridiculous, but I mean, Kemba is the worst. I mean, you have Hayward, which was kind of just a fluke thing more than anything. You have Horford. You have, I mean, Amir Johnson was only one year guaranteed, so it was kind of like a team-friendly deal. There's just like, there's not a lot of meat on the bone to pick at for that to me. Um, and I think that's like another reason why Ainge was was pretty good in his time here. Just didn't really give out a lot of onerous contracts. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the Ainge era has not exactly been marked by uh, god awful contracts, and that's a good thing. You know, like we said, they avoided the Horford one, uh, which the Sixers took on, and then they traded almost immediately after one bad year. So, yeah, I mean, they really haven't had stinkers like this, and it was a really bad time to have one, and. I love Kemba Walker, dude. He's one of my favorite players in the NBA, and it was really unfortunate how this all went down. But at the end of the day, it's it's just you know, what happens. The knees go. And, you know, uh, I appreciate what Kemba's done, but it, it is time to go. And that leads me to the question, Dave. We've talked about this ad nauseum off the air, but and with Brandon Maxwell, friend of the show. What is it going to take for them to move Kemba? Um, because I was talking with Brandon last night, at least a first rounder attached to it. Um, and what do they do once they move on from Kemba? Because Brad Stevens does not have an easy job ahead of him. No, and he has a lot of maneuvering to do because the Celtics, although Grossbeck and Pelliuka and um, everyone else in the ownership will tell you otherwise, they don't really spend as much as other teams. They don't spend as much as the Warriors, the Lakers, or the Knicks. Uh, they're not in that group. So what it comes down to is this team is not a tax team. They're not, they're not going to pay the tax. And they, they proved that when they traded Tice this year. Um, they're just they're not going to be that type of team, especially without a team that's guaranteed to make it to the finals. So they're pretty close to the tax already. I think they're about $4 million below the tax before they do anything this offseason. So they're going to have to move Kemba or, Sm- or a Smart and that's before they even consider re-signing Fournier, which is going to be 15 probably plus million per year. So the only way you move him really is you take on a bad contract or you just attach multiple assets to him. Unfortunately, unfortunately for the Celtics, they don't really have a lot of players that are assets right now other than Tatum, Brown, and Smart. So either you trade Smart and open up room that way or you attach Smart to, to Kemba or you... Um, maybe you attach Rob Williams or you attach a couple firsts or whatever it may be, or you just take on a bad contract. So some of the ones that are out there are, you know, Porzingis, you have Al Horford, um, you know, you can go down the list and try to, you know, figure out each team and who's, who's a bad contract. But um, I mean, Wiggins proved that obviously you can be a bad contract and become a semi-reasonable contract. (coughs) For each, each person, obviously, you're going to have to 
dictate like how much you give up in addition to Kemba. So like Horford would be a fir- probably a lottery protected first Kemba for for Horford straight up. Um, whereas Porzingis would probably just be Kemba for Porzingis because he has an extra year of you're gonna have to pay him. So uh, the, the, it, there's no easy answer, and Stevens is gonna have his work cut out for him. So hopefully. You know, Mike's there and everyone, Austin Ainge and everyone in the front office stays to help him because he's going to need all the help he can get. Dave, before I forget to ask you, uh, who we'll, we'll ask this in two parts. Who do, who would you want to coach the Celtics and who do you think will end up being hired as the coach of the Celtics? That's a good question. I mean, they've they've obviously established established a list with Darvin Ham and Chauncey Billups, Ime Udoka, um, Jalen Arnega, Scott Morrison, Jerome Allen, some of the guys that have interviewed already. Um, obviously, the names are like you hear a lot about Becky Hammond, Chauncey Billups, Carol Lawson, Ime Udoka, um, Jalen Arnega, I believe, are the betting favorites. But um, to me, I think Billups is probably going to Portland, if I had to guess, um, which would leave not a lot of other people as far as the, the, the kind of coach that they want. I think they want a former player. Now, I don't know if they're willing to delve into hiring a female coach. I think they care Lawson would be an outstanding hire. And I think Becky Hammond would too. Um, I, I think personally that if you're going to hire a female coach, Carol Lawson is the pick because she knows this is, she knows the place. She knows Stevens. He'd be comfortable with her. She knows her stuff. Um, she'd be a great coach. She'd be a great hire. I don't necessarily think Hammond would be the hire here because I think Carol Lawson's more qualified as far as just she's been in the building more. Uh, doesn't mean Hammond won't get a coaching job soon. I'm sure. She, I'm sure she's, you know she will. Greg Popovich probably taught her a lot of stuff, and she already knows a lot of stuff. She's she was a WNBA player, but um, to me, I would I would put my money on either Ime Odoka or Jerome Allen as the pick. Uh, but I think Carol Lawson's kind of like the dark horse. I see that. I mean, I'm I'm definitely a fan of of uh, bringing in Carol Lawson or Becky Hammond. I agree that Carol Lawson has more experience working with you know the Celtics locker room and stuff. So I think she might be the the slightly more qualified pick. But Becky Hammond would be fantastic too. I mean, I think it would be. I think Chris Gasper brought up this this good point that it would be perfectly on brand for the Celtics to hire the first female head coach in NBA history because. They had the first black coach in NBA history. They fielded the first all-black lineup, starting lineup in NBA history. So the Celtics have been pretty progressive in, in terms of you know getting ahead of the game. And I would love that hire. I think that would be great. I think they're incredible coaches, and I think they would just do wonders for this team. They need a, they need a change of pace, and I think they'd be able to provide it. Um, I think Udoka, like you said, would be a good choice as well. I also I don't I just don't think Billups is coming here. Uh, I sure as hell don't want Jason Kidd to come here. That's for sure. Um, I'm all set with that. Uh, but yeah, I, so I'm sorry. Was that your answer? So that was your your answer for who you think will be the coach is who? Uh, I, if I had to if I had to put money on it, I would say um, Ime Udoka. Okay, we'll say Ime Udoka. Okay, and all right. Okay. And I would say, if I had to put money on it, damn. You know, I'm, hmm. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go with Carol Lawson. I'll go with Carol Lawson. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think he's a, she's a strong pick. Like, I, I don't think that would surprise me. 
um, because Brad, he, he thinks outside the box. He's not going to just hire some random retread. He's a like, big, he's going to hire yeah. someone that, that like he trusts that knows basketball and then he can work with because he's going to be heavily involved. I think he's going to be more involved on like talking with the coach than Ainge was. Um, and you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised just because he knows a lot about Carol Lawson and he knows how much he likes and how great she was when she was here. Smart loves Carol Lawson. They have a great relationship. Yeah, that'd be that would be awesome. That would be great. Um, all right, Dave. What what final thoughts you got here on the Celtics? Um, I would just say that there's a lot of issues with this team, but I I don't think they're as far away as people make it out to be. Like I I think they have two huge building blocks, and I think that's those are the toughest ones to find. Like to get two guys that you're one and two, or potentially one and three. Like I don't know if Brown will be a two or not, but Tatum is a one. And I think like those are the hardest pieces to find, and they have both of them locked up. Like the hard part for for them is you got to make sure that they're happy. So that's where the that part comes in because just because you have a guy in a contract now, it doesn't mean that they stay for the whole contract. And we've learned that from so many other teams. Um, and I just you you need to make sure that they're involved in. Not necessarily they're going to make all the decisions, but you need to make sure that they're aware and you're honest with them and upfront with them because you don't want to upset them to the point where they don't want to be here anymore. You don't want to Eric Bledsoe them, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, you don't You don't yeah. want to do anything to upset them. All right, Dave, well, that does it for our Requiem on the Bruins and the Celtics. Where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me at David underscore Albionic. Perfect. You can find me at Jake Bonescore Morocco. This podcast is at CSL Podcast on Twitter, CSLpodcast.com. Go find us wherever you get your podcast, and we will see you guys next week. Let's see what's on the docket for next week. Uh, next week, we're looking to – we'll probably do best movie theater experiences next week, Dave. That, I, think we're, I think we're good to get back to that. That'll be a fun time. Yeah, that'll be good. Yeah. Now that we're starting to kind of get back into some good movies in, in the theaters. One month from today is Black Widow. So uh, get ready. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next week.